the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Ecos. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back. If you're brand new, welcome to the family. Welcome to the party. I love having you here, and I appreciate you coming and spending your time with us. We're going to get right into it. I got a really successful author, writer, someone that's like really had a taste of this industry for a while. And, you know, she's worked for big companies like Kodak and L'Oreal and Revlon, and she's also written books that almost got picked up um as scripts for movies so i have a we go, we go into a really interesting story about her and marissa tomei and she's got a really cool insight to um you know all of this stuff she's a great author but she's done it so many times and she's so successful that i really was interested in how she's able to do that and i think for her she comes so natural. She's she she's got that talent, and sometimes when you're really talented, it's it's hard to explain you know, what it is you're doing. And I just really was fascinated by her, and she's got more books coming out, which we get into it. Um, How to be happy, damn it! The bounce back book and other ones she's working on, but she's really focused now on like meditation and really the mindfulness and and happiness and. I really enjoy her kind of personal development side of things with a bit of like psychological humor because we get into how that's important for learning. And I myself love when I, I'm learning about stuff like personal development and there's like some humor there. So we got into that. It was like, it was, it was quite fun. Sometimes in these conversations, it's challenging because I know they've been interviewed a lot. I know they've, they've, they're successful. And for me, it's like, you know, what do I, how do I talk to them without asking them the same things over and over again. So I truly, you know, I do my research to an extent, but I don't want to do too much where I'm like, it's cookie cutter and I'm going to ask them. Because if I learn, if I go too deep, then I'm just going to, I'm going to feel the need to ask them the same questions that they probably always ask. So I want to know enough, but I want to keep it mysterious too. Because I want to get to know them as I go and I want it to flow. So um, that's kind of the strategy I have guys. So I hope you guys can appreciate that. And we get into her story. She's super successful. She's got video courses. She's got all kinds of stuff to help you in your life. And we really dove into why meditation is important. So I'm excited for you guys to listen to her story. She's super cool, super laid back. And yeah, it's funny because um, her name is Karen Salmonson, but I'll a lot of people mistake her name for salmon. So it's she it, in her, her business name, it's not salmon. So we get into that. We'll go into all that. But um, yeah, guys, if you get some value of this, leave us a review after, you know, check her out, check out Karen and let us know what you thought of the conversation. And if you haven't already hit that subscribe button, but uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. Enjoy. Karen, what's happening? How are you? Good. Good to be here. <laughs> Great to have you. Um, I love the, I just wanted the, the, the not salmon, Karen, not salmon. I, I love that. And I found that really, really quite interesting. Do you get that often? Do people obviously is confusing your name? Like, Well, I grew up, my last name is Salmonson and I yeah. was probably like 13 before I spelled my own last name correctly. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a young boy, um, and when he was in preschool, they were teaching him how to spell his name, and he brought it home, and they spelled it wrong. They spelled it Salmonson. They were teaching my son how to spell his name wrong. So I went in, and I told him, you tell them not salmon, like not salmon.com, and you have them go to my website. You know, I, I was joking. I'm joking. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, it happens a lot. So I just allowed my website to be not salmon.com. And I figured that people could find me more easily than if I depended on them to spell Salmonson, which nobody can spell. It's genius. It's very smart though, too. It's like, it's cheeky, right? Um, so you're, you're from Philadelphia, right? Is that? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I haven't actually been out there. I, um, I've been, I haven't been 
to New York or Philly or any of that area out there. And I, I want to go so bad because anyone I meet from the East Coast has this like fire about them, this energy that we on the West Coast, I'm in Vancouver, Canada, and like people can be very, well, it's like Seattle. Everybody's just a little bit more laid back, but we sometimes lack that edge. Do you notice that when you're there, when you live from people from there that have that sort of extra bit of like spunk to them? I guess so. I mean, I, I am from the suburbs. I'm from uh, the, the boondocks. So yeah. I grew up around lots of big trees, like the kind of trees that like, were huge. And, and um, I remember once digging in my backyard and I found a, like a horseshoe. I mean, go yeah. figure. I remember one time looking outside my back window and I saw a peacock go by. Like, it's like, it's really the suburbs of Philadelphia. It wasn't really the city. Yeah. And we we were on a cul-de-sac and we all played kickball and softball. It was very, uh, you know, more country mouse than city mouse, you know? Yeah. This be like right out of the movies though, probably. Like, it's funny because people get the perception of, of different places from what they see in movies. Because, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's crazy how, how, how that is too. I mean, you, you, you watch these movies and you get this perception. Like even myself, you know, you think you know a place just by you know, kind of what you've watched. Right. And it's, um, it's pretty interesting how, you know, you develop that, but, um, I would, I would New York, you could different areas. Like I live in the village downtown and that's different. Yeah. Than, you know, Upper East side or different than Times square. You know, we used to go to Times square a lot when I was a kid to see theater Yeah. and Times Square has all this neon and it's blinking. It looks like something from like the movie Blade Runner. Yeah. And I grew up thinking that that was what all of New York looked like. And then when I came to New York later as an adult, I'm like, oh, there's not neon everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I thought all of New York was going to look like. I know. It's crazy. And even like I, I've met people, they're from New York and they, but they're like, we're upstate New York. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. yeah, but in this, in the, in, in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, you thinking like skyscrapers, you thinking like Big Apple. It's just one of those things, yeah. you know. Um, awesome. Well, I would love if you could. Uh, you have done so many amazing things and very interesting, and I would love if you could maybe take us back a little bit, tell us a bit about your backstory, and yeah, fill in the gaps for us a bit and let us know about some of the really interesting things you've been through. Wow. Okay. Um, well, when I was growing up in Philadelphia, I always loved psychology and I always loved humor. Um, I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to go to pick up my dad at the Jenkintown train station. And there was a little store across the street. And while waiting for my used to run in, I'd get Psychology Today magazine and Mad Magazine. Mm. And, were, and I was like 12. That was what I loved. And I think about what I do now. And it's like, if you took psychology in a magazine and man magazine, put it in a blender and pre pressed frappe, that's what you would get. Cause I love working humor in and I love psychology. I love things that make you think that's sort of how I write. I do what I call self-help for people that wouldn't be caught dead doing self-help because it has humor. And I started off, so my story is a zigzagging one. I started off as um, I started off in advertising. Then I I rose up quickly. I was a senior VP creative director, but I hated it because it was so political. And I kept threatening to quit. And my parents kept talking me out of it. And then finally I quit. And I wrote my first book, which was a novel, and it was funny. And I was a funny writer. That was what I did. But it's always psychological and philosophical. And um, I gave one of my books to John Stewart, the um, comedian, and he read it and he loved it. And he actually gave me an official blurb saying that he thought I'm funny. Yeah. So I have to be one of the only self-help authors with a blurb from uh, John Stewart, with John Stewart approved humor. So I work in humor, I work in design, and I then offer um, lots of research in a fun, easy to understand writer's voice. Right. How, so how has, cause you've done, you were doing a lot of advertising creative director back in the day. How has things evolved? And 
in, in that creative, especially with social media, how have you noticed the, the change? Is there still a lot of the similarities with psychology and humor? And do you find that that connect, that you can connect with people better or, and like, has that changed or is that sort of still like that now? Well, what's interesting to me, cause I, like I said, I'm a mom. Okay. So I'm going to bring everything together. Yeah. Stay with me here. I was always a feisty one. Okay. Mm. I always was. And I did a business book for women back in the day. I was giving um, a seminar to a bunch of women uh, in Philadelphia. I was home visiting and my agent called. I was giving a seminar on how to pursue and snag your passions because I had done well in advertising left and then done well as an author. And so I was invited to Philadelphia to speak to a bunch of women. My agent called and I said to her on the phone, I said, I got to go. I have to give my how to succeed in business without a penis seminar. And I said it as a joke because there's a famous play and book, how to succeed in this movie. I don't know. It's everything. How to succeed in business without really trying. So I did the parody of that and I put in the little feisty word and my agent laughed and she said, you have to write a business book with that title for women. And then I laughed. I didn't think she was serious. But lo and behold, she was. I wrote that book and it became a big bestseller and then sold in lots of countries around the world. I did what I called my seminars around the world where I would go and speak to women around the world with this feisty humor in countries you wouldn't even think that they would find it funny, like Germany. I went to speak in Germany on this topic and all over. And so that book had a crazy title, which was unusual back then. And then I did another book with a really wild title uh, called How to Be Happy, Damn It. And I had the word damn in the title, which again, like people were like a self-help book. Like I remember when I showed it to my agent, my first, I was with the same agent who did the other crazy title, but she didn't want to do, she thought, no, no, self-help with damn it, no, no. And um, so I wound up going to a different agent and we, we sold it. It was a bidding war for it. And then it came out with a big bestseller. It was, um, it's all designed. And it was Urban Outfitters bestselling book for like a couple years in a row, number one bestseller. And then a bunch of, uh, it sold really well. And again, to all around the world, but the word damn it in it. And I remember thinking, oh gosh, when I become a mom, is this going to come back to haunt me that I have these like feisty words, my book titles, but guess what's happened in the last bunch of years? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Crazy book titles. Yeah. That even <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say the F word. Yeah. The word, the A word. And I look tame. So the, the world has gotten feisty along with me and the things that I was doing back then that were considered like, I can't believe she's saying that in a book title are now like nothing compared to some of the wild book titles that are out there. It's fascinating because I, do you, do you think that a lot of it is okay? So you have self-help and a lot of it's really, it's useful, but a lot of it's very bland. But what I find really interesting, just like anything, humor elevates the state, your emotion. And when your emotion is lifted, you absorb things better. So yeah. it's almost like if you have, if there's a little bit of a laugh, a little bit of like, oh, I see what she did there or he did there. It, it allows you to take in that information more, you know? And do you feel like, that's how I feel with it. Like, I, I appreciate that. That's why I think that's great. And some of these, and, and it's super smart marketing nowadays too. They use these, these big swears in the title and then all these people want it, like some sort of rebellion they want to like go buy these books to be like a rebel or something. Totally. Well, I, I actually gave a TED talk on how fun is a, a high performance fuel that people learn better. Yeah. Presented with humor and also with images, which I mean that we might already know because people learn with flashcards, but people learn better when they're in a relaxed state, when things are playful, they absorb and they retain. Yeah. So, And also it doesn't, when you're already, like let's say you're going to read a self-help book, you might already be in a kind of depressed state of mind. It has levity, at least while you're reading it, it boosts you even before the new tools that you're about to apply kick in, the humor kicks in and, and you feel a little bit better just reading something funny. Yeah. And I think humor is just such an important thing with everything with, if, if, I find relationships, like it doesn't matter what I'm doing. If there's some sort of 
it's like a human thing. It's like, if you can make somebody kind of laugh and connect in that way, you're going to listen to them more. It disconnects the ego. Like when yeah. you laugh, it kind of jiggles free the ego. Yeah. You can laugh at yourself. Um, and that's when I know I've really moved on when I can laugh at myself. For sure. Uh, I can laugh about something that happened. And I'm like, okay, I'm healed. I'm now laughing about it. You know, you can't expect to laugh right away. You know, the first time something bad happens. But, you know, you can laugh as the years go by. Some of my more tragic stories have become the funniest stories. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it helps. What kind of humor do you like in TV and how has it changed? Like, I mean, you've done scripts for TV and movies. How is that, you know, what, what is humor to you? Like, what do you find? What, what was that, th that show or, or movie that you're like, ah, I like that. That inspires me. You know, like, what was that? my humor when it's mixed with poignancy yeah i like i like to laugh and cry in the same movie yeah i love that you know and i love pretty much anything judd apatow touches i think he's a freaking genius mm. um I, I love movies that have a message in it and but it's not like a really over the top message it's kind of like snuck in there and you kind of get it like as you're listening to it. So I, you know, I, I guess I tend to like indie movies that are character driven versus like the big Hollywood movies, you know, mm. but you know, Apatow does the Hollywood, but he has his edge, you know, he's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. So how close were you? Like I, what I noticed as well is like, I wanted to talk to you about, was how you almost got your novel made into a movie. Can you, can you, this is, I'm sure that all the listeners will love this. Can you give us a little bit of that backstory? Because that's fascinating. And being Miramax and all of that, and you know, they were super popular back in the day. That was like the, that oh, was were, like the, that was their hot time. Yeah. That was their pinnacle. Like that, that was like where you were, if you were a movie star, that's where you wanted to work. Right. What was that all like? Can you kind of get into that a little bit? Yeah, um, it, that has a lot of zigzag in it because um, I'd written my first novel. I'd sold it to St. Martin's Press, uh, and then I wanted to try to sell it as a movie. And um, my agent tried for about a year and then couldn't. And I, But I didn't want to give up, so I kept saying, oh, why don't we send it to this actress? Why don't we send it to this producer? And I kept suggesting people and I was told, Karen, if you can't sell a novel in a year, it goes stale and nobody wants to touch it, is what I was told. But I didn't want to hear that. My agent kept saying, write something new, write something new. But I was like, I love my novel. So I remember I saw that Marissa Tomei, the actress, was um, performing at a theater near me in New York called Naked Angels. So I called up my agent like, Marissa Tomei, she'd be perfect to play the lead character. Because my lead character, my novel, had dark brown hair, was like ethnic looking. I don't know where I come up with these things. And, you know, no but my character had blue eyes and I had brown eyes, so she wasn't me. And um, my agent was like, Karen, write something new, write something new. So I didn't want to hear it. So on my own, I took my novel and I put it in a manila envelope with a little note to Marissa Tomei, you know, and I went to Naked Angels Theater where she was performing the Playhouse and I dropped it off with just somebody at the theater, like the ticket person, right? And I said, could you give this to Marissa Tomei? Amazing. So I told my friends I did this and they just all thought I was like too, too positive. And they joked and teased me. And then a couple months later, I'm sitting at home. It's in the morning. I, I remember these details. I was eating a bagel and the phone rings and it's somebody on the other end of the phone saying, hi, it's Marissa Tomei. I read your novel and I loved it. So my first thought was, okay, this is one of my friends yeah. playing an obnoxious joke on me, teasing me about my positivity. So I think, okay, do I bother to stop chewing my bagel in this obnoxious friend's ear? Like I was like, and I thought, well, just in case it's Marissa Tomei, I will stop chewing. So I stopped chewing, and it was Marissa Tomei, and she said she read the novel, and she loved it, and she wanted to bring it to Miramax to be a movie, and I, she wanted to option it. Wow. So I was like, oh, my gosh. So I was like, 
okay. So we did a meeting there. We met with the people over there and they optioned the book. This was before there was Sex in the City. And my novel was a little bit like Sex in the City before there was Sex in the City. Mm. And I, I wrote the screenplay and a lot of voiceover behind it. And, and I remember they, they said when I was done, that they loved it, but they didn't like the voiceover. And and then Sex and the City came out and oh, that yeah. show had all this voiceover. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it was like nobody was doing voice. I had like these weird oh, wow. ways and weird like philosophical, you know, but the, you know, but then Rear Max said, we do think you're funny and we want to give you um, a, a, a development deal to develop a sitcom. Wow. So I then started to write a sitcom for them. And then I started to get other development deals for sitcoms. And I had three going at the same time, which is like unheard of. So I moved to LA and I was working on my TV deals. And I say that the ugliest word in the English language is the word almost because none of these TV development deals made it to air. And then, um, I had, so I had this almost, an almost, three almost, none of them, one by one, nope, nope, nope. One was with um, Burlstein Gray, with NBC. Another one was with, um, uh, I don't know, they were all with big, I had one, oh, I also had one with Nickelodeon, one with MTV, I had five all together. I've had wow. five TV development deals. None of them made it to air. Hmm. So I then could have stayed in LA and like worked on a TV show. But I thought to myself, you know what? I didn't quit my job in advertising to work on somebody else's TV show. I wanted to do something with my writer's voice, with my messages. I didn't want to go on an existing show like a Will and Grace or something like that. I wanted to do something that was my characters, my philosophies. And I just thought that would be like going back into advertising in a, in a weird way. Mm -hmm. So I came back to New York and I did more books because I've always loved books. I grew up reading books and I, um, and that's what I've been doing ever since. And at this point I've sold because I'm, I'm old. I can say this. It's so weird to say this out loud. I've sold over 40 books. I, I think I've lost a lot. I think I've sold 45. Some of them are short and little. Some of them are long. Some of them are like board books for kids, like toddlers. Um, and so they're all over like in different genres. And um, cause you know, I'm going to be, I just turned 59. So now like I, it. well, gosh, golly, stop. You look stop. great. You look great. You don't look that. No, honestly, I'm, I'm not just saying that. Well, thank you. So, I mean, next year I'm going to be 60, which is like, strange to me to say that but um so i've done like over 40 different books in different wow. areas but at this point it's mainly um psychological books i have a new book coming out uh that's called instinct calm which is with these two minute sensory meditations because i know that myself and my clients that i coach and um my friends like everybody's like i don't have time to meditate or I don't know how to meditate or I get bored when I meditate. So I studied to be a meditation teacher and I myself have had um, I different struggles with anxiety. So I, I took my favorite meditations, the ones that were the easiest and most fun to do. And I put them in a book called instant calm. Mm. That's my newest, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. Has okay, so over the last since you you started your journey, did you always do meditation, or has that sort of been because that for me has been the biggest biggest shift in my life has been practicing that, and I'm so glad we got into this because you know there's a lot of there can be a lot of hype and a lot of misinformation, and a lot of people are afraid to do meditation because they think they have to sit on a uh you know go to Tibet or wherever and sit on a, be a monk and sit on a mountain, all great. But like, you don't have to be that to meditate. Right. And so how, how can you like, this is this, I love this kind of stuff because <laughs> what it sounds like is you can connect with people and you want to connect with people on a level, on a psychological level that allows them to be able to do it and, and, and to take that pressure off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nowadays um, it's becoming more mainstream. Yeah. 
it's backed by research. There's been a lot of studies by big universities which support that you know, the brain has plasticity and when you meditate, you actually can improve different areas of your brain that are associated with clarity, um, with calm, with creativity. You know, you can really yeah. light, up, light up the happy parts of your brain more and stay calmer under pressure. So many studies on this. Sure. So um, I also believe that it's easier to be a saint for two minutes than for 30 minutes. So if you think you have to sit on a pillow for 30 minutes, you might be like, I can't do that. But you can do it for two minutes. Everybody can find two minutes in their day to, to meditate. And then the two-minute meditations can then, once you build up your confidence in that, you see the benefits of meditating for two minutes, then you can slowly um, increase the amount of time that you spent uh, meditating. But I wanted to create um, meditations that I felt were like um, – excuse-free meditation. So, for example, I have one that you multitask doing in the shower. It's my shower power meditation. I do this every cool. morning. It's um, a touch meditation. It's G-rated, and you're in the shower, and when the water is coming down on you, you, you become very aware of the water pressure. So you, you first you, you ask yourself, is one-pointed focus? A lot of times these, the, the, um, the two-minute meditations that, in, that are in my book are called grounding tools or uh, one-pointed focus meditations, but they're based on your five senses, touch, taste, smell, um, sight, and sound. Mm -hmm. So this is one from the touch area of the book. I have all, all five areas covered. So you're in the shower and you become aware of the feeling of the water coming down on you and water pressure. So first you get focused, one pointed focus on that. Then the temperature, what does that feel like? Is it hot? Is it cold? Does it fluctuate a little bit? Then body wash, you know, is that soft? What does it feel like going on? Is that colder? Then just become aware of those different feelings, loofah, scratchy, but this is my favorite part of it. As you're washing yourself off, you envision your stresses, your fears, your worries washing off of you and down the drain. So while you're in the shower, if you do this first thing in the morning, wash away the things that are bothering you, wash away your fears, and then even look down at the drain and just think to yourself, bye-bye, you know. Mm -hmm. And as you step out of the shower, tell yourself the messaging that you're leaving the troubles behind. And when you leave the shower, you're entering into the new day with all of those behind you. And it's a new day, new opportunities, new start. And it's a great mindset. And you're gonna shower first thing in the morning anyway. Yeah. So it's really an excuse-free meditation. Yeah, and just kind of just kind of owning the moment for what it is. Being mindful. You know? Yeah. Being fully present. Is there know? yeah, I remember the first time I really started to feel that was after reading The Power of Now. Uh -huh. I, I never, I never looked at life like that before. And I realized that when, and then when you start to think about those little, just the movements, the everyday things, it's pretty amazing. You know, you yeah. feel the shower, the different levels of temperature, the soap, like, I know like it may seem silly to some people, but when you really, I know it did to me at first, I was like, what? But when you really wrap your head around it and you really like sit and enjoy that present moment of that, and washing away and focusing, it becomes a beautiful thing. It does. It does. Yeah. And, and then you can start to take that into everything. And, and that's why yeah. there are all the different senses. And in some ways, I feel people do accidental, like um, sensory meditations, for example, um, sight meditations. Uh, you're at the beach, just looking at the ocean and the waves. It's an accidental sight meditation. You can get lost in that. And you could forget your troubles because you're, wow, look at the beautiful ocean. Or even the sound. That's like a sound meditation. Or, or art. Looking at beautiful art. I think sometimes looking at beautiful art like just calms us because you're fully in that moment. You are, your mind stops. It's busy chattering monkey mind. And that beauty of that, just that's a one-pointed focus. We're walking into a bakery, right? And the smell, you know, oh, smell that bread. Yeah. You're, doing a, you're doing a sensory smell meditation if yeah. you just sit 
here and you inhale the smell and then of course there's essential oils that have all been researched to have different scents that literally yeah your emotional level you know in fact your olfactory sense is the most connected to your emotions and, and i love using essential oils and and very aware of smell and and my home i like i always have something going when people walk in first thing they say is what's that mm, what is that smell yeah. switching up the essential oils and having fun with that i i agree i love that too and it just puts you in this sort of this state i don't know i can't explain it and i love that about the smells too I, what, as soon as you said that immediately i thought of like when you go to the movies you smell popcorn it puts you in that like exciting oh i'm gonna about to watch a movie sort of thing or that that morning coffee smell yes. you know there's those things that put you in this like this place and, and smell has that like there's smells and music has that too where it can literally bring you back to a moment you know, and it can like, it can connect you. And it's just so amazing. And even okay. with essential oils. Yeah. Associate it with something. Yeah. The quicker you can enter into that emotional state. So if you do something over time repeatedly that you associate with something positive, yeah. you know, that over time you get into that emotional state quicker. And in the book, I, I share my favorite essential oils backed by research, like for example, vanilla yeah. um, has been researched to help people to be calmer. And there's a, a hospital here in New York that they were doing MRIs for people and people were getting very stressed because it's very claustrophobic inside those MRI machines. So they're like, what can we do to help people relax when they go in? So what they started to do was they tested out different essential oils and they found that vanilla was the one that relaxed people the most. Really? So started to recommend that for people. They gave people the choice in case they weren't vanilla lovers. And so we use vanilla a lot in our home. I use that one in my son's room because that's, that's a scent he really loves. So I kind of go in there, I have different things that I do. So his room smells like a relaxing place to be. And that's my way of subliminally <laughs> like relaxing my high energy eight-year-old son. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, it's good to introduce that early, right? And yeah. I, I always get the ones like, cause I can get anxious. I drink a lot of coffee. I can be bouncing around and yeah. I, I have one right now. It's like, I think it's like a rosemary lemongrass or something and, or something like that. And when I put it on, it's just like, I don't know. It, things just get better. Things just, I, I totally, right? I totally, that I am, I'm known for yeah. my son, I'm now getting him into, my last name is Salmonson, and I, I was telling him, we're the Smelsonsons, because like, we're, we're like, we put on the essential oil before we go out, like the vanilla or other scents that we love. I like grapefruit mixed with vanilla. Oh yeah. The elevator, and everybody's like, you guys smell good. Like we even love like good smelling shampoos. Like we oh, look gosh. for things. I have him on board with this, and it's fun, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's important. So what other, what, okay. So this, obviously this is a huge part of my life and that's why I take such interest in it, in it and being able to be mindful and program your day to be in that, the best day ever, the best state, you know, what do you do to, when you get up? Like, what is, what is your, what is, what's the, how do you get into that zone? Like what's, what do you practice? Like your daily routine or, or non-negotiables that for you, it's like, okay, this needs to happen for me to get to that state, that my desired state. You know, what does that look like for you? I wake up before anybody else in the family and I have my coffee. I have water because sometimes, uh, well, all the time, I think people are dehydrated when you wake up. Uh. You know, so I make sure I have a tall glass of water. Uh, sometimes I put in um, apple cider vinegar because uh, I, I feel that's good to do on an empty stomach. And then I have my coffee. So it's kind of in that order. Um, and then, you know, shower, whatever. I kind of mix up with the order of the shower because I also love to journal in the morning. And while I'm journaling, I come up with an idea and I kind of make myself, but in a way that doesn't feel like it's forced. I just know by now as part of my practice is like, well, what's on my mind this morning? 
What am I thinking about? Oh, that would make a good quote poster, right? So then I create something. Nobody's awake. I have some music going. And I, I um, in fact, I now ask, I don't want to say her name because she'll go on. You know, she listens, which might be scary. A-L-E-X-A. Gosh, I can say, Alexa. See, she just went on. Alexa, play Sunflower. Sunflower, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. I love this song. Do you know this song? I'm not sure yet. Okay. Alexa, raise volume. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got something going like this, right? And um, sometimes I ask her to play Billboard songs, so I'm... I can like be more up on music to talk to my son about music right. and I'm just creating a writing and I'm like, Oh, I think I'll do a quote poster on that. Alexa, stop. Um, and so that's what I do before anybody wakes up. Well, what time is that at? What, like what's early for you? Sometimes the scary time and sometimes the less scary time. I, <laughs> <laughs> I wake up, I, it could be anywhere from 4.30 a.m., 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m. Okay. If it's 6 a.m., I'm like, oh, I'm lazy. I slept late. Right. You know, so, and then I'm now trying to work in um, weight training because I've read a lot about longevity with lifting weights. And I have been having trouble getting to the gym, so I'm trying to do that at home. Mm -hmm. I used to be big on weightlifting. And, uh, but when you have a son, the whole work, mommy, life balance thing, you know, you have to, you know, so I'm trying to do that at home now. I'm trying to work that into the mornings. So that's why sometimes I like 4 a.m. I could do like the 4 a.m. till my son wakes up. I have this amount of choices. 4.30, I have this amount. 5, I have this. 6, I have that. You know, so it's like depending upon how early I wake up, I have a certain amount of choices that I can do. Yeah. The, the morning is the one thing that I need to master. And I admire anyone like yourself that can do that because there's something, there's something about that time from four 30 till seven when you're a, you're, you're awake before everybody it's quiet. And there's some sort of, well, it's proven too. When you meditate, it's better to meditate early. You're connecting with source energy or whatever you believe it's, it really, there's so many things. And whenever I, Whenever I do manage to get up like that, I'm always have I have the best days, always. I, I agree, but I I do it all the time. It's just a matter of yeah. how. Long. Also, you can meditate without even getting out of bed if you yeah. want. You're just laying there. You're it's easiest to meditate first thing in the morning because you're already in a very relaxed state. Yeah. So um the you know the, I love my shower meditation. I have a bunch of different meditations that I switch on and off of in the morning that I do. Um, and they also say, by the way, if you ever have a, have like something like root canal or something like that, you should always do anything painful first thing in the morning, like physically painful, because your body is not a, as awake to pain. So when, yeah, so whatever I have to have any like, you know, thankfully it hasn't been lately, but tooth work done. I'm always like, what have you got like at 9 a.m. in the morning? Like I try to get it as close to the morning as possible because supposedly you, you don't feel the pain as much. Your body is still a little relaxed. So a little tip out there. Yeah, for sure. So throughout your journey, you've obviously been very successful. You've done a lot of amazing things. And, but of course, there's always the challenges, right? There's always the adversities. Oh, yeah. uh, this being the show University of Adversity, there's I've really realized though that it shows up in so many different shapes and sizes, right? Adversity for one person is different from everybody else. So, you know, what has been for you in your journey the biggest thing that you have had to overcome or that has been a challenge to force you to grow that has allowed you the most growth or impact your life? Well. Um, I could write a book on that, and I have. I have a couple. I um, I I wrote a book called Prince Harming Syndrome, which is about you know, uh, 
getting out of the pattern or one particular relationship with the Prince Harming, mm. and which was a toxic relationship. So I read a lot about that. Um, and uh, I also wanting to have my family, which I finally have my happy family late in life. I kept going, looking for it. So I feel very lucky about that. Um, I was sexually assaulted before there was the Me Too movement. That was in my Balance Back book. I wrote about that. I, I tend to uh, turn pain into purpose and write books about whatever I've gone through to help other people or video courses. I also um, am a recovered emotional eater. And I write about that and I share about that in my, my course, Stop Emotional Eating. So I, whatever I've gone through, I, I feel like I want to help others. You know, with this is what's helped me. I hope it helps you too. And, you know, I, that's how I tend to come up with my ideas for my books is from whatever I've recently been motivated to learn and go through. I want to share that with other people. Yeah, I can, I, I can completely relate with you. I mean, that's why I created this show. You know, I went through some amazing trauma in my life, you know, death, suicides, drugs, alcohol, all that stuff. And, you know, that's the thing is like, you go through this stuff and you want to be able to not use it as, you know, you want to use it as fuel. You want to help people. You want to use what you've learned and, and give back and help because, you, you can't teach things that you haven't been through. And that's the problem I find in society. People are talking about stuff that they don't know anything about or, you know, because they may have got a course or some certification, but they haven't been through shit. They haven't been through, pardon my swearing, but I swear a lot. I've been toning it down on this one, but um, there's just a lot of times where I, I feel like you people need to express what they've been through more. And that's what I, I admire that, that you write books about that, that, that you, you, you've been through something and then you want to teach and help people get through it. And that's what it's all about. Right. And that's why I love podcasting because that's what you're, that's what I'm doing in the best way I know how is to be able to share these stories so that somebody out there is like, Oh wow, she's just like me. I can do that now. Right. And, and, yes. and that's, that's what it's all about. It's all about helping people with what they already have. Everybody is capable of so much, but some people doubt themselves. They're taught and programmed, and it's just like unprogramming those, those, those faulty beliefs into like unleashing what you actually have within already. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I believe that um, – I believe in a more – not in a religious way, in a more spiritual way or an energetic way, that we're all here on this planet to learn lessons that help us become our best selves. And that, so whenever anything happens to me that's challenging, I tell myself, I remind myself that, that this is happening, you know, for me, not to me, that, you know, people are my assignments, my teachers, that I really do feel that way. And, um, and then I remind myself by looking back at everything I've learned from everything I've been through and seeing that everything had to go as it did to bring me to the next level, to the next thing and that there is, I believe that there's, you know, a reason and it's up to us to kind of like look for that reason, find find the lesson or blessings. I kind of, sometimes I call it blessings, like the blessings and lessons and everything challenging that we've been through. It's always there. Yeah. Cause they're, it's actually a gift. These challenges are a gift yeah. because yeah, they are. And they're, or they're a bridge. Like I, yeah. I, I use the word gift. I, I think of it as a bridge. Like you don't know where it's taking you to the next thing. And while you're on the bridge, yeah. you're like cursing up the storm but the bridge is taking you somewhere else and it's taking you somewhere better if, if you keep your eyes open and if you're mindful. As again, where meditation comes in, you can gather those insights better. Um, you can make sure that you're on the right bridge, you know, because in a weird way, adversity doesn't have to bring you to someplace better. You have to make that a mindful choice. You can't just say, okay, bring me there. Like you have to, you have, to have the right attitude um, be awake, not have addictions, um, surround yourself with the right people, 
all of those things. It's not just going to happen because you're like, okay, all right, bring it. No, no, no. You have to mindfully go out there with purpose and motivation and the right mindset and, um, and clarity. And then that's how you, you can zigzag your way to a better place. Yeah, for sure. And you brought up not having addictions. There's people are like, we're in a society right now where there's just so many and it's like, it's crazy, you know, drugs, alcohol, prescription drugs, sex, you know, there's, there's just so many things and people forget, like people are always searching for this thing, this external thing to like bring them something. And it's so challenging. Like, have you, have you, have you dove into that about addictions? I write, and, I yeah. Write about that a lot. Um, I, I write about, I read a lot of things that would be like considered like maybe boring or complicated. And then I try to write it up with the humor. And I, one of those areas is Aristotle philosophy, philosophy of Aristotle, the Greek philosopher. And he says that he believes the reason why people are so unhappy is that they mistake pleasure for happiness. Mm. And pleasure is about immediate gratification of the body and the ego. And it's fleeting. It's hit and run joy. Mm. But true happiness is not about the body and the ego. It's about your soul or your core self, whatever, you want, whatever language you want to call it. And it's about... Um, Surrounding yourself with people, habits, and experiences that help you to grow into your best self. And that a lot of things have to do with true happiness versus pleasure have a time delay. So you have to wait for the happiness high to kick in. It doesn't have, like, a pleasure is like immediate. Yum, you know, yum. You get it right away. Happiness might have the time delay. Like it's, you have to learn something, you have to practice something, you have to have a, a challenging conversation, you have to, there's a time delay, but it's something that helps you to grow who you are, it's the education of your soul, becoming your best self. And that's what brings us our greatest, you know, happiness. And that a lot of people confuse pleasure for happiness. And true happiness, I think, is a sense of almost like inner peace and um, contentment and, and being your most authentic self, like all of those things. And, and I do see, and we seek addictions because we don't want to feel the pain, but going through the pain again, that can bring you to happiness. But true happiness means you have to go through the pain and sit with it and learn the insights and people confuse pleasure with happiness. So they're like, I will do this addiction because I think that's what happiness is. But actually, happiness sometimes does include going through the pain to get to the inside, to get to the lesson, to get to the, the next level. I don't know. Does that make sense to that you? Was, that was absolute gold. That was absolute gold. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for the way you explain that. That was, that was yeah. amazing. Like, oh, thank you. I, I, um, but that's so important. That is so important from, from people understanding like happiness versus that pleasure, that, that like, I actually just talked about this with um, a doctor, a, a friend of mine, about how it's like that, in, that instant gratification, that like high fructose corn syrup, like that sugar, like that people look to get and then it like goes away and then you need it again. And it's like, it doesn't give you any long-term, you know, you know, sustainment yeah. and, and understanding that like, Hmm, maybe this will be okay. This is, this will be a good thing now but is this going to get me to where I want to be? You know, does this align with the long-term version of me or is this just me being yeah. impulsive? You need a bifocal lens. Yeah. yeah. Fully present where you are in the moment. Mindfulness, meditation, be yeah. fully yeah. present, bifocal lens. But you have to also think about your long-term future. Yeah. And you have to make sure that you're heading to where you want to be in the long-term with your life. You have to think both long-term and short-term to live a happy life. Right. I'm also fascinated about how many books and how many things you've done. Okay. So the, like the average person can't do that. So what makes you different from, well, I, I, I want to know how you've been able to, yeah, but there's, there's, a, there's, there's, there's key things which separate people that can get shit done and people that can't, right? 
you have been able to get things done. There's no doubt you've been able to tap into so many different things. What is what are what are maybe one or two or three of those things that make that that allow you to be productive? Because that's productivity and people suffer from that. Every single day, they want to write a book, but they can't because they either don't believe in themselves or they can't sit down and do it. What are some of those things that you've been able to practice in order to become productive? Because that honestly fascinates me. Um, well, meditation, I've got to tell you, it, it helps me to stay clear. I, I think of meditation almost as a time management tool. I get more done yeah. when I am clear in mind. You know, I, I, I just, I need to have a clear mind and that's where the creativity comes. Um, just move faster when my mind is clear. Um, that believing that what I'm doing will help people motivates me when I feel like I don't want to do it. Like if I'm like, when I was writing the bounce back book or even it's in calm, even the newest book, I'm like, oh, today, I don't know. I'm like, you know what? This book could really help people. Like, and then that gets me all jazzed up. You know, when you feel like there's purpose and meaning to what you're doing, you want to do it more. Like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but that yeah. gives me, that's like as much of a surge as coffee. It's like, I want to share these tools with people. Like, I really feel that way, you know? So yeah. I keep going back to that. And that gets me excited and 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 it's a kind of an excitement an inner drive that's by like just like i want oh, oh i have to oh i can't wait to share this with people like i don't know how to explain that but that's like inside of me but so how do you break down like like the tim ferris method like how like he talks like he how do you break okay so you wrote written all these books how do you break down the little pieces or the you have this big vision maybe it like on a daily basis, you know, do you write a certain amount? Do you plan first? Do you brainstorm? You know, because it fascinates me how you can have an idea and I'm still learning this is I want to write a book too. And so many people, you guys listening out there, I'm trying to get this because I know so many people listening want to write books and want to do these things. But there's one thing of like having the belief and all that stuff, but it's like the one thing to be able to do the, the, the things that make it happen on a daily basis that break the pieces, break the thing into little pieces. Is there any way that you can, like, do you have a process that you, uh, you wake up, you write this, or, you know, maybe can you, can you shed some light on that? Cause that, that is also super powerful. Um, I, I do try to do something in the morning. That's almost like a, um, almost like creativity warm up. Like that's okay. where, Okay. I love, I'll look at something, I'll look at what other, you know, things that are like really interesting or cool, great art. Like it doesn't even have to be on topic. Like it yeah. doesn't even have to be like, I follow people on Instagram that I just think are like great artists, you know? And I'm like, Oh, look at what they're, look at that photograph. Look at that illustration. Like, and it kind of gets my juices going just to right. see other people doing cool stuff. Um, and then I allow myself I allow myself to write badly the first time or two. Like I, I don't care about it being perfect when I go to write it because I know I can clean it up. So and that might be something I just kind of like write it all out. And then sometimes when I'm writing it that way, I come up with better ideas because I'm not being judgmental as I'm writing it. I'm just like kind of writing stream of consciousness. And, um, and then I go in and I, I clear away. I allow myself to write too much at first, let it be kind of whatever. And then I clear away and then I keep the best. Okay. So that's one thing that I do. And I just write a little bit every day. Okay. You know, okay. if you, you know, small changes over time add up to big changes over time. So every day I do a little something. Um, and I do keep myself excited about why I'm doing it. If you keep going back to your why, in fact, I say this for a lot of things that why power creates willpower. Like even with um, eating healthy, why power helps willpower. Okay. I want to eat healthy because I'm a late in life mom and I want to live, live a long time for my kid. I want energy for my kid. 
So I go back to my why power. And I'm like, I remind myself why. And so I remind myself why with the books that I'm writing. I remind myself. So that's something that has helped me to stay motivated. Right. Yeah, the reason I, I, like, to, I, I like to ask this is because so many times people who are very talented or have been doing something for a while, it comes naturally to them. So for them, it's like, it's hard to explain exactly, but, but somebody else listening, it's like, wow, like it's uh, like, how does that even, right? So I always like to try and be like, okay, let's break this down. How does, how does like somebody that wants to write or, or somebody, because it's such a, I personally can only speak for myself. It's such an overwhelming thing. When you think about writing a book, I think, oh, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that, or you got to do, you know, big projects. And that stops people from, from doing it because they're scared. But when you break it down a little bit by little bit, it becomes easier. I think if you allow yourself to be bad in the very beginning, I think yeah. it's fear of wanting it to be perfect right away. And I just automatically know my first draft is allowed to be crappy. Okay. You know? And then I clear it away because I, that's where I find the little golden nuggets too. If I'm, I'm just like, Oh, let me just think this out. Let me think, you know, and then, it's in those moments, you can't get to those little moments where you're especially excited unless you really let your mind just kind of go all over the place. And if you're trying to be perfect, it's those little gems aren't gonna, our chances aren't gonna come. From these for me, and everybody has something different, so this is just like one woman's experience. But the fear of, of having it to be perfect, I think would stop me. And so allowing myself to just kind of write stream of consciousness yeah. and, and know that I sometimes won't even write something good. Like I almost feel like on some level after it's like a warm, like even writing like the first page or two, it's by the third page, fourth page, I'm in the zone, uh, right. you know, and then I'm like, okay, I can go back and fix page one, two and three, you know, I'm in the zone as I'm writing and, and then I'm not as conscious of writing. And I'm just writing. I, I guess that's it. I, yeah, no, it's, it's it great. It's hard to explain, but I, I know I, I, don't, I don't feel this pressure to write it perfectly on the first draft. That is something that I think when I'm I, writing. I love that because that's, that's so true too. Like when you're writing, you have this, people put pressure on themselves. Do you do, you like, do, you do it by hand, old school, with a pen first? Are you a typer or what? what? I, I write in a journal by hand. Okay, yeah, perfect. Feel like I write differently when I write in a journal, but then when I go to write something up, like I might take notes in my journal, like oh, okay, this is what the book will be okay. about, maybe this and that. But if I go to write it up, I have to write it at my computer. Mm. When you were doing like scripts and coming up with ideas, did you carry around like a notepad and write stuff down as you went? Or is it kind of like, because what I find is I get my inspiration in the weirdest times, you know, like whenever I'm, I have an idea or, or something, I, I'll be, a, I'll be at, at the gym, I'll be on the treadmill or I'll be like in the sauna and all of a sudden I'll get all those ideas and I don't have that. And then when I go down to sit and think about these creative ideas, they don't flow as well. Did you find that challenging over the, over time about, about having these ideas and writing them down right away or how did you capture those moments that, that don't always flow? Um, I do keep a journal. I, I, I love journaling. I love it. I can't say enough good things about journaling. Um, I actually have a journal that I sell to people because I love journaling so much, um, which has prompters in it. Sometimes I will write my own prompters at the top of my own journal to get myself thinking. Okay. Um, like little questions that I ask myself, like what am I supposed to be learning right now? And then I'll write or um, different things like who do I need to become to get everything I want in my life? That was one of mine that I would sometimes write at the top. But I, I love journaling and I ask myself a question up at the top and then I answer it. I get quiet and answer it. Um, I, I guess journaling, writing it down. Uh, sometimes these days I could send myself an email if I, you know, I'm just like, I'll have my phone and then I'll e email it to myself, you know, as I come home. I have all these emails for me. So that, that's, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. It's, it's all different. But um, 
I don't, I don't even know I'm doing it. So it's hard. Yeah, to I know for sure. And, and this is why I like, I like these, I like challenging. I like, because you get, you get used to it, right. And you get used to your process and that's yeah. why, that's why I like it because, you know, just hearing that is, is great because I love that you don't, you don't overthink it. You just, you just let it flow. You can tell, you know, you, you just letting things flow and, and, and that goes to show what happens is that you just let this flow and these ideas turn into books instead of overthinking it and stopping yourself. You just let it go. And that's, that's amazing. And I appreciate it. I, uh, I always I like to pick the brains, you know, the more you do it, the more you think it's possible to do. Yeah. And thereby, if you think it's possible, then you're more likely to do it. So somebody that's a new writer might be telling themselves a negative story, which is, I will never get this published. I will never get this published. I will never. And then it's harder to motivate if that's the, the chatter in the back of your mind. But because I think, well, I've published before, I can publish again. I will write this. Like I have that more positive voice in the back of my mind. So you have to, if you're a new writer, you have to get over the negative chatter of, I'll never get this book. You have to get rid of that, that voice in the back of your head and remind yourself of other times you've done things that you didn't think you could do. If your voice tells you, I will never get this published, then you say, okay, when else have I done something that I didn't think was possible? What other things? You know, I call it, call, I call it uh, pouring yourself a cocky tale. You know, where you tell yourself a story that makes you cocky. Oh, yeah? Well, I did this, this, and this, whatever your thises are. Pour yourself a cocky tale and then remind yourself, if you did that, then you could do this. Yeah. So you have to get over that negative chatter because that's what's going to block you also. Totally. That's, that's gold. Thank you. Where can everybody find you? Let's, uh, I know you got so much, but like, let's direct them perfectly to where that you, you know, your newest book and where all the videos, where, where's the best place to find you? Um, well, my last name is Salmonson and everybody says Salmon. So my website is not Salmon. And <laughs> M-O-N.com, not salmon.com, and then not salmon for Instagram, not salmon for Pinterest, not salmon for Facebook, Twitter, you name it, it's just not salmon all over the place. And then my new book is called Instant Calm, and it has two-minute meditations, so both for beginners and advanced uh, meditators. There's something for everybody in there. It's a big assortment. Amazing. We'll have all that information in the show notes as well. So. Um, one last question before we wrap up yeah. was the, the most fun. And I've actually recently changed it. I used to say, what's the number one tip you could give people to overcome adversity, but I'm going to change it today. And I'm going to say, what is the one with adversity? What has adversity taught you throughout your life that you've applied that you find valuable? Oh, I, I mean, I believe that, um, Okay, well, I have a mantra that I say that applies as the answer. I am stronger than my challenges, and my challenges are making me stronger. That you have it within you to overcome, and then after you overcome, you're even stronger and wiser. You know, I'm stronger than my, you are, you, you listening out there, you are stronger than your challenges, and your challenges are making you stronger. That's what I would say. Amazing. So good, you had that ready. Some people are like, Oh, you caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for that. No, I was caught off guard. <laughs> yeah. That is like one of my favorites that yeah. I, I use a lot. You yeah. Know, awesome. Way. No, that's amazing. I, I just want to say thank you for coming and hanging out and, and chatting. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This was fun. That was, it was really fun. And I, um, yeah, like I really, I really enjoy what you're doing and I really think it's important. Yeah. And I love your sense of humor about it. And I, I really think that's important. And I really appreciate that, that you got to have fun in life and you know, it's nothing, everything doesn't have to be so serious. And I think at the end of the day that that creates that human connection. So thank you for, you know, your amazing work. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for being an amazing host. I really enjoyed this. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I'm working on it. You know, it's, it's got its set of challenges, but also it's so rewarding. So it's worth it. But again, you guys make sure to check Karen out. She's got amazing content. She's been around. She's got some amazing stuff. We're going to have all the information in the show notes. And yeah, I, uh, I, I really look forward to seeing what, what you create in your new book. And I'm definitely going to have to check it out. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Love you guys. Thanks very much. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, that was a really fun conversation for me. Um, I love picking the brains of successful people and she's just such a successful author and really cool and chilled and uh, we had a great conversation. So truly grateful for that and make sure to check her out. Um, all the information's in the show notes. So we're going to, you know, find out. And a lot of times with meditation and these kind of things, you just need an e you need somebody that can break it down for you in an easy way. And being mindful can happen like we talked about in the show in the shower or just the daily things you're doing, just pay attention and see the beauty and see it and, and, and what it feels like. And don't put too much pressure on yourself. You got to meditate for an hour a day or sorry, one minute a day. Great. Two minutes, three. It took me ages before I could do a half an hour. Now I'm a half an hour. Some days it's challenging. Sometimes it's not, but I don't beat myself up about it. So you shouldn't either. Okay. Love you guys. I hope you got value. Appreciate you. Have an amazing day. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.